for joining us here on the Q&A questions in alcohol, Kentucky, as we talk all things drinks, food, art, and Kentucky, and occasionally beyond. But we're staying in Kentucky this time, and I think we're kind of hitting all of the above with, with this one as we welcome in from Hermitage Farm and Barn 8, the executive chef and beverage director, Allison Settle and Randy Densford. Guys, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate y'all taking some time and you know, obviously you guys have some some very nice titles, but before we get into kind of what you do, can you guys give me a little bit of background on just who you are? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I actually, my background is also in culinary arts. Um, I just love everything that has to do with the hospitality industry. So I went to culinary arts school at Sullivan University. Um, and then when I was a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wind got, you, got us. <laughs> uh, when I... Turned 21, I uh, became interested in the world of wine and spirits and um, had the opportunity to learn at a restaurant called Decca. Um, I got to learn a lot about wine and kind of initiate myself into that whole world and um, eventually got to open up Bartsom Bourbon Company, which is a distillery in Bartsom, Kentucky, as a brand ambassador and spirits educator. Um, I was there for a couple of years and eventually became the beverage manager, um, got to learn all kinds about bourbon, um, just the whole like array of different um, things that you can do with bourbon, um, educating people about it, doing tours. And then uh, we also have a very cool vintage library there. Um, at that time, COVID was kind of starting to happen. And I had uh, come to Barn 8 and became the lead bartender and eventually the beverage director now. Um, but I think this is like really where my passion lies because I get to work with so many amazing products from our gardens and stuff and integrate that into our beverage program and uh, do seasonality and low waste programs, which is what I'm really passionate about. Allison? Yeah, um, so I have sort of a, a weird way of getting into cooking. Um, some of it was just fascination with food. Um, some of it was cooking for the family when I was an au pair in Germany. Um, but it just became a really strong hobby. And eventually I decided like, this is all I think about. This is all I do. Why not just go ahead and go in head first? So when I was 25, I also went to culinary school at um, Sullivan. I probably wouldn't have gone to culinary school, but I felt as a 25 year old that I was kind of behind the curve and needed a little extra training to get up to par. Um, and then I started that in Lexington. Uh, worked for Wida Michael at Holly Hill Inn and Woodford Reserve, uh, then moved to Louisville, finished my degree here at the Louisville campus, um, worked at Holy Grail. I interned for Anthony Lamas at Ceviche, um, ended my three-year stint at Holy Grail as sous chef, gave birth to my son, and then um, since then it's been Portage House, Grail House, Lupo, Red Hog and now Barn 8. So just working on that resume. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and like I said, you guys have, have some uh, pretty cool stories that we're going to talk about with just what you guys have been able to accomplish. Now, Allison, as executive chef, what does that role entail? Because I'm guessing while, well, yes, you're in the kitchen a lot, there are a few other responsibilities you have uh, with that. <clears throat> yeah, you name it. Um, I've probably had a hand in it. At one point, we were looking for our general manager for the whole retail property. And so I was doing that too, <clears throat> helping run every aspect of our program, whether it be tours and tastings and uh, combined driving and all of that. Um, but now as um, solely executive chef, 
Um, I am in charge of our catering department, uh, the restaurant at Barn 8, and um, our pastry department. And that comes with um, hiring, onboarding, um, PR, writing recipes for magazines, um, being in the kitchen, designing the menu for special events, designing the menu in general, management, hiring, firing, um, pretty much anything that you can think of, I have probably done it. <laughs> so you stay busy there. And, and Randy, I'm guessing the same is for you as beverage director. You kind of touched on this when you were explaining some of the things you love about what you get to do out there. But what does your role entail? Because I mean, you know, you're for sure behind the bar, you're making drinks, but uh, like Allison, I'm sure you have a few other things you have to do too. Yeah, I definitely like to be in the trenches with everyone. So I, you can see me behind the bar just about every weekend. Um, but I'm also uh, working with the kitchen very closely and our horticulture team uh, to have a low waste program. So anything that the kitchen, for example, when they uh, make buttermilk ricotta, there is whey as a byproduct. So I'm uh, using that in cocktails so that like everything is utilized and there's essentially as little waste as possible. Um, but I think that's the really special thing about my job because a lot of bars um, don't have the privilege of having the ingredients that we do. So being able to use them in all ways and just showing people the different uh, ways that ingredients can go into beverages, not just like your dinner, um, is the really unique thing about this program. Um, we also have a farm store that has a selection of wines that you can um, drink like after you do a, a tour and have a picnic on our patio. Um, we also have a bourbon library. So we have a single barrel program. Um, it's a really cool experience. We get to take everyone. So we take Allison and a couple members from the kitchen, as well as our managers, some people from um, the staff that really just like love bourbon. We kind of have a mix of different like palettes each time we do it. But um, those barrels are uh, special to us and they're um, available in our farm store and our bourbon library. And then we have an extensive uh, wine list and obviously our cocktails are changing all the time just with the seasonality and stuff. And then um, all the bourbon you could ever want. <laughs> and that, that is nothing wrong there. And you know, Allison, you, you touched on this when you were talking about how you got maybe into being a, a chef kind of into this a little late. How does one go from marine biology to the kitchen? I'm curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh the more that I think about it, the more it makes sense. Um, science and animals. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, my dad and I, like we didn't have cable and my dad and I would snuggle up on the couch and watch PBS. So I was watching like Nova and nature and those were my favorite shows. And so I spent like my entire childhood wanting to be either a paleontologist or a marine biologist. And I was actually um, accepted to the Florida Institute of Technology, but I was like, I'm going to have 80 grand of debt by the time I have an undergrad. And I know that these people don't make money. So of course I decided that culinary was really, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense, but, um, but science was really important to me. And I realized I just, I honestly don't have the brain for um, intense math and chemistry. Um, I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then over time, as cooking became a thing, I realized like, hey, breaking down a chicken and learning about the different muscles um, and how you should cook them is a lot, it's very similar to um, dissection in uh, AP biology. So, you know, I'm able to utilize some of my interests in science and um, husbandry and, and just general knowledge about animals to the cooking process, which is also a science. I don't think people always realize that. Baking for sure people understand, but when you get really deep into this career, um, science, is, science is really important. So 
I think that that's kind of where they intersect. You know, um, the other day I ordered a lot of um, fish. We did a whole fried fish uh, situation and they came in with their um, internal organs and gills and everything. And I had to clean that out. And my little science brain was like, what did they eat? Like I'm like, <laughs> pulling out stomachs and cutting them open and like, Ooh, I wonder what kind of fish that is that they ate. So it does, it does intersect more than I think people truly understand. Well, that, that is true. There's a, there's a lot that goes into to everything in, in whether it's the food industry or beverage industry. And, and Randy, you, you kind of went from the kitchen to behind the bar. What drew you to the drink side of, of things? And, and what do you love most about that? Um, I think in general, just that it's always changing. Like there's always something to learn. That's never a stagnant industry. I think that is like fascinating, but also I, um, was working in a kitchen and I was getting really sick and I couldn't figure out why. And it, uh, turns out that I had a gluten allergy. So I just needed to like, I wanted to stay in the industry, but I didn't want to be sick anymore. And I still wanted to be involved in like food and everything. Um, so I just, was like, I should know how to do, if I want to have my own place one day, I should know how to do front and back of house. So that was like a pretty uh, easy transition for me, really. Um, probably because I was in a really great spot when it happens. Like I had opportunities and people were willing to give me them and uh, let me learn. But um, yeah, once I started working with spirits, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever because it just involves every culture and like all kinds of different flavors and rituals. And just like, there's so much that is in the spirits industry. That's also in the food industry that um, it just made it really, really easy to transition from the kitchen world to the, the bar world. Well, and then, you know, you, you've been, you know, featured for your, your work um, behind the bar, you know, whether it was on the covers of American whiskey magazine, Kentucky monthly, what's it like to be honored and be able to kind of showcase the, the work that you've done? It's a shock. It is a shock. <laughs> um, so I think a really special one too was I was featured on uh, Today's Woman and that was like a huge honor just to be included with some of the women that were in that magazine. I was honestly flabbergasted. Um, but it is a complete shock because I haven't ever known that it was going to happen. Like I didn't know that it would be a cover feature or anything. Like I, I, I thought that there would be like a little excerpt in a magazine about something that I'm doing. But um, like coming into work and coming to the bar and like there's a magazine on the bar that has my face on it I was just <laughs> blown away <laughs> it's like really super cool like I never thought that would happen um and the the funny one about American whiskey is that I had like spilled a huge cup of coffee down my white shirt that day so I like had to change into this like shirt that was like two sizes too small and they're like you're gonna be in a magazine today and I was like well shit <laughs> <laughs> so nervous and then like two weeks later that magazine it, like they put me on the cover and I was like wow this is this is so ironic because I was like so embarrassed and uncomfortable and and then it turns out that they were like this is a great photo and <laughs> on and I had people come in and uh, ask me for my autograph which was crazy because I was like I'm just I'm just a little old bartender <laughs> but it was it's super super cool well, I mean, and that just showcases your, your ability. And, and I mean, there, there's always something amazing about that. And, and Allison, you, you've been honored as well recently. Uh, I know the James Beard uh, Foundation Best Chefs Southeast semifinalist. Um, what was your reaction to, to that one? Um, <clears throat> I had no idea that this wasn't even on my radar, the, the release of the awards um, or for the nominations. I didn't even know that they were coming out. Like, it's not something that I pay attention to because generally speaking, nobody I know is like on it except for, 
you know, we had a Michael. And um, so I didn't even know that there were, that they had come out. And I was just sitting at the bar, like doing computer work and got a Facebook notification that I had two messages from women in the industry that I really respect, Lindsay Goff-Sasek and um, Sam Four. And they both were like, congratulations. And I was like, for what? <laughs> and they, one of them like linked it. And I was like, going through it and I was like what is this like I knew what they were but I was going through it and I was like I don't know why why are you saying congratulations and then we ended up finding it under southeast and I was like what that's my name (laughs) (laughs) I got I was like I think a few people were at the bar and I was like I got nominated for a James Beard award and I was like, so I got nominated for a James Beard Award? So casual. Like, <laughs> so chill. And I was like, you're joking. And she was like, it like took five times of her saying it. And she was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I like immediately ran back to the kitchen and um, talked to my chef de cuisine, Seth. And I was like, dude, we got nominated for a James Beard Award. So no, I mean, total, total and complete shock. This is nothing that I ever anticipated um, being a part of in my entire career. Barney and Hermitage Farm alone without that accolade is more than I ever expected to achieve. And to have that is just like the crazy expensive cherry on top, like (laughs) a very special experience. Well, and and like I said, for both of you, I mean, it it showcases your abilities and and what you you all are are doing out there. And, And then Allison, I know you've also been able to do some other fun things, whether it's be on TV and culinary competitions, things like that. What what are, what is that side of of the job like? And when you get to kind of step out and and be in front of a camera, I I find I always think that like if I wasn't in food, that I was either be in medical or I would be in television because I think that that and not even in front of the camera, like behind the camera, that whole it's like a ballet. There's a lot of stuff that's interesting about working in the kitchen. You have a lot of different personalities and a lot of different moving parts. And, um, you know, I feel like television production is the same way. Um, So just meeting with the producers, finding out, you know, what they're looking for, the travel involved, the meeting the new people, and just the whole thing is is really fascinating. I, I think it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, for the, you know, the meat of the project when you're actually cooking, like that pressure is really intense and it's more than you would typically experience on a typical night at a restaurant, um, which is a lot of pressure. (laughs) Imagine it's like even more heightened is, um, it's a lot of challenge. I guess it's sort of like my form of an adrenaline rush. Like instead of cliff diving, I (laughs) do TV shows. (laughs) I feel like they're a little less dangerous, uh, although you can still, I guess, get burned uh, in in the kitchen, so to speak. <laughs> but um, you know, for, for those yeah. that get to that get to come out to to Barn Eight and, and Hermitage Farm, what can they expect when when they come out there? Uh, well, there there's a lot. So this is a, an almost 700 acre thoroughbred farm. The main attraction um, or or purpose of our farm is boarding. Um, you know, high-end mares. Um, we take care of them. We help them arrange their meeting of their mates. Um, we assist them through their pregnancies and births and help them full and then sell the horses off. So we have that whole side of the farm that is the vast majority of this, um, which was preserved by our owners, Steve Wilson and Laura Lee Brown. Um, there were, I have seen physical plans of this place 
with the idea that it would be sold to be subdivided into a neighborhood, um, turned into a golf course. Um, these were all things that were very close to happening on this farm. And when they rescued this project, um, they put it on easement so it can't be developed. So aside from being a thoroughbred farm, it's also a form of agricultural preservation. Um, and we've added those um, facets in the form of our horticulture team with the prop house and the greenhouse. Um, we also have combined driving, which is a carriage, um, dressage, marathon and cones. Um, that's something that we do here. Then we have the restaurant. Um, and then we have a focus on bourbon. So we have our bourbon steward and Randy, our very talented beverage director who are always working with local um, processes and, and distilleries. Um, so it's pretty much an encapsulation of the best things that Kentucky has to offer. I think that's the best way to put it. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's just a few things going, going on out there and, and you can no. spend a, a whole day and, and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The essence of Kentucky is what's here. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and Randy, you know, for, for you and when folks come and get to experience the bar or even, you know, the, the bourbons and, and things like that, what, what will they expect and what will they um, uh, get there? Um, I think that crazy cool cocktails is what we have to offer, which is really fun. Um, we also focus on very natural biodynamic and um, not the big name uh, wines, which we do carry some of them. But I also want to feature people and uh, vineyards and uh, wineries that people might not have heard of. So I like to like show things th um, that people haven't been exposed to, um, as well as we try to stay on top of every bourbon trend that's coming out. Um, and then our, our single barrel program is like really unique. So those are expressions of like Weller, Woodford, uh, Maker's Mark, Peerless, um, Barrel Craft Bourbon, all of those that you can buy at the liquor store. But if you want a unique expression, you can come get uh, one that will go with our food really beautifully. Um, that's also why um, we use a wine program that is all natural because we're doing a lot of fermentations here. Um, so we use that kind of funk in all of our food. And I like wine that also has that to like pair it and just elevate those flavors. Cause that's what Allison and I both love to eat and drink. So um, I just think it's a really funky experience. <laughs> I, I love that too. And you guys, you both have talked about this, you know, how important is it to incorporate the farm, what's grown out there, and then maybe regionally uh, from Kentucky, maybe a little further? Um, as far as the farm is concerned, uh, what's really special about what we do is that our horticulture team isn't going to necessarily focus on commodity goods like onions and potatoes, like they're never going to be able to keep up with that. Um, so something that we <clears throat> have partnered to do that's really important to to both of our teams is to uh, work on having several different varieties of you know, herbs, uh, fruits and vegetables that you can't find either through larger purveyors or through like um, farmers markets. You know, a lot of times farmers markets will all kind of have similar things because they know that that's what's going to sell and that's their livelihood. So we get the opportunity to play with some really cool ingredients and different things that you would never see. Um, so that's, that's really important to us. But as far as regionally concerned, we have our sister farm, Woodlands, where Steve and Laura Lee live down about five miles down the road. That is a really large bison operation as well as um, pork and lay egg laying chickens. Uh, so we partner with them pretty intensely because we're sort of all under the same ownership. 
And then um, I have brought in several of my farm partners that I've worked with since I moved to Louisville, um, people from Southern Indiana, like Gross Family Farm and 3D Valley Farm, um, friends of mine um, that I've known for a long time that lease out land on Fox Hollow called Rootbound Farm, um, as many farmer partners that we can work with uh, is, is my goal um, to, to optimally source 75 to 80%, especially in the growing season of our fruits, vegetables, proteins, flowers, et cetera, locally. Because our background here is in that easement, in that agricultural preservation, we are also trying to preserve agriculture elsewhere and provide, um, you know, substance and sustenance and money and everything um, that we can to those farmers. So we're always promoting them on our menu. Anytime we have an opportunity to talk about them, that's that's important to us. Absolutely. Well, then and, and same with local distilleries and and um, coffee. Yeah. You haven't talked about your coffee True. stuff either. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we try to do the same thing in the beverage world. Obviously, we hit all the vegetables and the local meat and everything on our menu. But I also like to feature um, products like in our farm store that you might not be able to get at like your local grocery store or even the farmer's market. So for example, Stephen Bean is a local coffee company that takes um, beans from New Orleans and barely does those. So we did a peerless rye uh, single barrel pick. And after we had dumped the bourbon and bottled it, we took Stephen Bean's coffee and we aged it in our barrel. And that coffee is for sale here. Uh, we also have a cocktail in the menu featuring it with a coffee brittle um, using their coffee. And then you can also buy the Peerless Single Barrel Pick. So it's kind of like a full circle experience of like um, the multitude of what a bourbon barrel can do. Like we also um, age some of our staves in a vinegar and use that in a cocktail. Like when I meet, when I say low waste, it's like we're trying to use everything in like the most innovative ways that you can think of. I'm on the kitchen side. Um, one of our most popular dishes is the carrots. They will never come off. I can talk about them if you want, but it's <laughs> important. Um, but, you know, we're getting a lot of um, vegetables coming straight from the farmers. So they're not doing a lot of processing. We're not getting beets with no greens. We're getting beets with greens. So we're figuring out, like, let's raise these beet greens. Or the, the, our horticulture team just harvested sweet potatoes, and we have all these sweet potato vines, you know, and we braise those. Or... Uh, the carrots, going back to the carrots, the tops of them, um, a lot of times we'll save those and either turn them into a ferment, uh, break them down into a dust and use them in a spice mix, or um, add them to a, a part of that dish into our dill and carrot top labna. So we're trying to utilize not just um, the products themselves and the farmers, but like milk everything we can out of mm -hmm. every ingredient, reusing them. Um, our Fresno Sriracha is another example. We're fermenting the peppers that we get on our farm, um, making a mash, pureeing it, straining it to make that final product of sriracha, but then taking that mash that we strained out, dehydrating it, turning it into a powder that we use in the kitchen to make a lot of different things, including a tahine, um, like a version of tahine. And then Randy takes that powder as well. It's one of my favorite secret ingredients is the pickled fresno or the fermented fresno powder it's it's something else and you put it as a rim uh -huh. right for it's a pache cocktail yeah it's electric in your mouth i mean i was gonna say how much fun do you all have because when you get to be this creative and 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 do some really cool things it's a unique opportunity i don't think that 
this is like one of the very first jobs that I still haven't gotten bored yet. Like there's no way for me to be bored. I have a lot of responsibilities, but it's also the freedom that we're given um, to purchase the ingredients that we would like to use to, to figure out what we'd like to grow. And, um, you know, it's another way to cut costs as well. So it makes sense for our restaurant, but I mean, it definitely feels like a dream for me. And also I think that we try to cultivate um, a culture that is like, inspired and has like an uh, a want to learn you know you want to learn about Kentucky and what it has to offer and all the vegetables that we get to grow here and just like just learn about an individual product even like learn about carrots like learn about all the things you can do with carrots or peppers or just everything that we we have to learn about is like really fun and really cool and the more people that we have on our team with the same mindset the more creative this place gets like we couldn't do it without the team that we have because everyone has new ideas or new uh, techniques or methods that they want to try out and we're all about experimentation and just like the world is our oyster when you have so many creative people in the same place and all this amazing stuff to work with yeah well and then you know when, when folks are, are coming out there what what fun things that you can tell us do you have up your sleeves uh, for the summer summer is our favorite time because we get <laughs> I think her and I are both ecstatic about all the tomatoes and we have like 40 different varieties that we just grow here on the farm. So just to be able to work with those and I love tomato cocktails and drinks, which is crazy to some people, but I just love them. I love savory things and acidic things and salty things. So to put a tomato in a drink like blows people's mind. And that's so much fun to see someone drink like other than a Bloody Mary, obviously, but like <laughs> to drink a tomato cocktail and to like show people what a tomato can be other than just like a caprese is like super fun. Yeah. Same on, same on our side, you know, during the height of tomato season, I'm there literally throwing like 50 pounds of tomatoes at us a day. So it's our, um, I mean, that's something that's different from most restaurants, you know, you'll order what it is that you need and that's it. Um, but they're throwing stuff at us and we don't even know how much they're going to give us. So we have to be very creative at the moment to figure out how we're going to utilize those products. So, um, they'll even harvest tomato vines for us. When I think the first year we were open, we were making a tomato vine pasta. We put to make a tomato sorbet, um, just in the same vein that uh, Randy was talking about. Like, I like to also challenge, like we like to challenge people. Like we change the menu all the time. There's never the same thing twice, almost ever. So um, we really enjoy bringing people in and saying like, I know you didn't have that one dish that you loved last time, but trust us, mm -hmm. you know, to give you this opportunity and to teach you about, you know, what else we can do with this product or what's new and seasonal and local um, and telling them about our farm partners and what they're doing. Um, it's an, it's a basis of education for the public. And that's something that I think we're both passionate about is, is teaching. So um, it kind of is all encompassing to all of our passions. Well, and, and I look forward to, to getting out there and to, to trying some of this and Allison and Randy, thank you for sharing the, the amazing things you all are doing out there. And and uh, the, the fun that you all are having at Barn 8. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us.